This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hello, and welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, James Kent. To stay up to date with all the latest content and thought leadership from MarketScale, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast content. And head on over to marketscale.com for a wealth of content from blogs, videos, and podcasts on a variety of different verticals. Innovation is at the heart of any technology revolution, and today we're taking a look at the future of aviation. What are today's aerospace engineers doing to shape the future of long-distance air travel? On this podcast, we have some answers. The Flying V. This is a newly designed aircraft that could possibly change air travel in the future, and what began as an idea is now another step closer to reality with the successful launch of the scale model Flying V. Here to talk about this project are two pieces of the puzzle, Dr. Roloff Vosch, responsible for the overall design of the Flying V, and Malcolm Brown, chief engineer of the Flying V. Dr. Roloff Vosch is an assistant professor at the Aerospace Engineering Facility of Delft University of Technology. He teaches courses on aircraft design, aerodynamic design of transport aircraft, aerodynamic design of combat aircraft. He also teaches a short course on aerodynamic design and hybrid electric aircraft design. He is the author of the textbook Introduction to Transonic Aerodynamics, and Malcolm Brown, chief engineer of the Flying V, is working on this project, uh, which is part of a joint effort on behalf of KLM Royal Dutch Airlines, Delft University of Technology in the Netherlands, and collaboration with Airbus. Dr. Vosch and Malcolm, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. Yes, thank you for inviting us. I'm also doing very well in... There's a lot to tackle on this podcast today, and I want to hear everything about the Flying V Project, but let's take a step back and introduce each one of you. I'd love to hear a brief summary of your love of aerospace and how you both got involved in the industry, which I feel is one that's driven by a lot of passion. Okay, so I started uh, actually my studies more uh, involved with this uh, space spacecraft design. I was very enthusiastic about spacecraft design. But somewhere halfway during my studies, when I was still a student, I actually shifted my attention to airplanes as I thought they were much more interesting and very challenging indeed. Um, and uh, over my, my, my studies, I've learned a lot more about airplanes, started to look into the effect of new airplane technologies and how that could improve airplanes. And over the last 10 years, I have been looking at how these new technologies can improve airplanes to make them uh, more uh, sustainable, more climate friendly, if you will. And the, the Flying V is one of those technologies, but a very uh, pivotal technology, I would say, uh, as the technology itself is a, is a completely different airplane configuration. So much more than just the technology that you apply to a wing or to an engine, for example. It's much more integrated in that sense. My passion for, for airplanes has basically resulted in um, the design of this, this yeah, radically new uh, airplane configuration. 
And what I really enjoy is the, the holistic aspect. So basically looking at all of the different aspects of this airplane uh, from a structure's point of view, from a flight dynamics point of view, from an aerodynamics point of view, and, and integrating that, all of that into one concept and then investigating how well that concept performs from, a, uh, from an energy perspective. That's very motivating. Yeah, and well, my passion started uh, quite early on because my dad worked for South African Airways. So as a young kid, I was always around airplanes and sometimes trips to the airport to see the behind the scenes action. And then uh, in my teenage years, I started with RC uh, aircraft and building and flying those. So that also got me into it. And then I came to Delft to study aerospace engineering because, yeah, I wanted to follow that passion. Uh, and during my studies, I participated in a few design competitions uh, from the ARAA. And through those competitions, I really found that I have a passion for actual aircraft design and the whole topics so are overall design of, of a new aircraft and not only focusing on, say, structures or aerodynamics, something like that. And then through, through that natural process of doing my master's, then the Flying V project started and... I kind of naturally started working on that project and then yeah, worked my way up through the project to, to become the chief engineer. And, and I really love what I'm doing. It's 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 amazing job. And I'm so proud to be part of hopefully the next step. So you just mentioned that you, you know, got involved in the Flying V project. How did the genesis of the Flying V design come about? And then specifically, how did you both get involved in the Flying V project. Uh, the Flying V was actually designed by a student by the name of uh, Eustace Benat, who worked uh, at uh, Airbus as an intern. And this was already back in, in uh, 2013, 2014. And he actually thought of the concept by basically uh, connecting two fuselage barrels and in sort of a V shape uh, together and putting an aerodynamic shell around it. And that's how the concept basically got started. Um, we came to know, or I came to know about it about a year later when they actually filed for a patent. And uh, it was a small a brief statement in the media with a, with a nice um, a picture of that airplane. Uh, and that's how I got to know about it. And we started actually with a very uh, independent study. So we started independently from any of the previous studies just to check if the assumptions that were made in that very initial study were valid, basically. And we, we soon found after about a year of study that they were indeed uh, valid and that the, the claims that were made by, by Airbus and, and that intern were actually quite credible. Uh, and that's when I thought for the first time, hey, we, we, might, be, we might be onto something here with this new V-shaped uh, airplane configuration. That's how the, the Flying V started and, and I got involved along the process of designing and building the wind tunnel model that we have. Uh, the, the students that were working on that had a, had a few issues in the beginning trying to integrate the structure and I started giving them a few ideas about how to do that and then naturally I gave them a few more ideas on other things and then found out, okay, wait, actually, maybe it's a good idea if I start working on them with that and then naturally it, it progressed from there. Is it typical in an endeavor like this for a scaled working flying air aircraft model be designed and tested first before undertaking the full-size project? Um, I, I won't say it's necessarily typical, 
but it was for us very, uh, very important to convince ourselves that what we were looking at uh, full scale would actually be uh, be flyable in in practice. Uh, let's say so. Of course, we're, we're looking at a full-scale uh, airplane. I think about the this, this roughly uh, 65 meter wingspan here. Um, so uh, we are looking at all these modifications to this to this airplane and seeing that it's 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 very good uh, from a drag perspective, for example, from an energy perspective, uh, without actually knowing for sure how well uh, this airplane would actually fly. And so we wanted to basically. Uh, do this test to prove to ourselves that yes, this airplane can can be flown and handled properly by pilot. Um, it depends very much on the type of airplane. Um, we see in the past that when they stepped to sort of jets and in the 1950s, 60s there, they did quite a lot of testing with scaled uh, aircraft and they built up a knowledge base. Once they had that, they didn't really have to do that again until they changed to a whole new configuration. If if we look then at the blended wing body, uh, Boeing made the X-48 demonstrator of the blended wing body type aircraft because it was a whole new configuration. So again, to test that idea, it's it's quite a big risk to build a full-scale prototype. So then to, to test out your ideas, you build a smaller one and you can actually see if it if it works out. And that's what we're also doing with the Flying V. Fascinating. What makes the Flying V design energy efficient for long distance airplanes? And what, what type of fuel conservation are you imagining when the project is realized? Yeah, there's basically three things that make the Flying V better than a normal airplane when it comes to efficiency. Uh, the first thing is that it is about 10% smaller than uh, a normal airplane uh, by means of the outside area that reduces the friction drag of the airplane. The, it also has very large winglets, as some of you might might know that have seen a rendering of this of this uh, airplane. Well, that effectively increases the span of the airplane, reducing the drag once again. And and thirdly, uh, because we are distributing the weight laterally, we are also able to reduce the structural weight of the airplane. Uh, and that is the third contribution to the the lowering of the drag. So these three things. Together, uh, combined, reduce the energy uh, consumption by about 20%. Wow. The main, the main benefit is because you don't have that fuselage that you're just dragging along through the air. Everything's built into a wing, which is actually contributing to your lift. And the whole airplane is working more efficiently and synergistically. How is the Flying V model built? Uh, and what were the technical challenges involved in pulling it off? And how long has the scaled model project taken to go from idea to test flight? So the, the scale model is built from fiberglass composite material. So we make molds and then with vacuum infusion, make a very lightweight structure. We chose for uh, glass fiber because it's a bit easier to work with and it doesn't influence the radio signals that we need to control the aircraft. And then we use a bit of carbon fiber for extra stiffness where we need to and some aluminium for the uh, load introduction structures like the, the engine pylon because it's quite a complicated structure where the landing gear and engine mounts, so we needed to use some aluminium for that. And then for the technical uh, issues that we faced, the, the biggest one is to actually stay with a, within the uh, 25 kilogram maximum weight limit. That's a, a regulation for, for being able to fly, being allowed to fly. Mm. 
So that that was a very big challenge for us because it's it's really quite a big aircraft. Um, it's three meters wingspan, and to get all the equipment that we need on board, plus a stiff structure because we don't want it to be deflecting too much in flight because we actually want to try and simulate that aerodynamic shape that we have calculated in in CFD on computers. So we don't want to have too much aeroelastic uh, effects. So to have a stiff structure plus all the payload was a very big challenge to, to stay under the 25 kilograms. And then um, another challenge was actually all the electronics on board um, to make the aircraft uh, redundant and safe. So each system is redundant. If it fails or one part fails, it will automatically switch over to the uh, backup system, which almost means that each component needs to be doubled. Wow. Again, weight, weight challenge, and we had to actually make our own electronics for, for some of these components. And then also to build the, the aircraft accurately. I think that's, that's what makes the biggest difference to, say, a normal hobby RC aircraft is the, the accuracy to which we build each thing. We know exactly that the shape we wanted, we did achieve. And, for example, all of our measurement instruments are aligned very accurately to within under a degree or within one millimeter of where they need to be so that all of our measurements are accurate. Because if you have an error there, it's it's a straight error into your measurements. And again, how long has the scale model project uh, taken to go from idea to test flight? I think uh, if I recall correctly, we started this project, when, when did we start this, Malcolm, 2019? Yes, in January 2019. Yeah, we started this project in, in, in January 2019 and first flight was in uh, July 2020. So it's a year and a half roughly. And how did that uh, test flight of the scale model go? Did everything go according to plan or were there adjustments that needed to be made in order to get the project to the next phase? You know, What type of initial data did you acquire on its flight characteristics? Well, the, the flight itself went um, very well. We uh, we were all quite nervous about what would happen, but <laughs> then uh, it, it took off and it flew it flew well. And we could it was stable and controllable, so that was all fine. Uh, it was a bit short. We could only fly for five minutes, which is what we had calculated. Again, because of that weight limit, we couldn't put uh, the full load of batteries on board because we were actually 150 grams overweight. So that's that's how critical everything comes down to. So with some weight savings, we can hopefully extend that in the future. But then when it came time to the landing, uh, we had a bit of a rough landing. Something happened uh, just before uh, touchdown and the aircraft touched down a bit hard. So we damaged the the nose gear of the, the aircraft. But to get to that point, we actually had a few days where we had to uh, change some of the electronics on board because we were having radio interference issues mm. at a military airbase. Um, and then we had to set, we had to reset then the center of gravity, balance the aircraft and change a little bit on, on the landing gear. So it actually took us a while to get set up and, and to go for the flight. And maybe as to add on to, to that story, um, we have since been able to uh, look at the data gathered during those five minutes of flight. And even though it's, it's fairly short, we were able to identify uh, a, a mathematical model for the uh, flight dynamics of the airplane. And we are now in the process of coupling that uh, that mathematical model to a uh, real flight simulator and expose that also to uh, to pilots 
Now, there's a couple of steps in between there, as we're obviously talking about a scale model here. Yeah. Uh, but that is indeed the uh, the plan to actually let the real pilots fly in this, this airplane and experience this airplane. Well, that brings me to my next question about what the next phase is now that the initial flight of the scaled model is done. You know, w- will there be more testing and refinements before KLM can move into a full-scale model? I guess what I want to know is how close or far are we to seeing the realization of the flying V used in the commercial aircraft industry? Well, that, that will still be a while, I'm, I'm afraid, because we have uh, a number of hurdles that we still need to take. I mean, test flying uh, a scale model is, is one of those and proving to ourselves that, uh, that this airplane can fly. It gives us a lot of confidence, but it's definitely not enough to show that this airplane be, be uh, as safe uh, as, uh, as any airplane that we are flying right now. So there's a lot of hurdles that still need to be taken not only from a flight point of view, but also from a structural integrity point of view, but uh, from a uh, emergency ev- evacuation point of view, for example, all of these things still need to be done uh, before we can, uh, with, with more confidence, say that this airplane will be the next long haul uh, airplane. On the other hand, uh, the airplane does hold a lot of promise. I don't see any major uh, hurdles that that cannot be overcome. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, in in terms of manufacturing this airplane, it's probably going to be even even simpler than a a conventional airplane that we're we're now looking at. Uh, One of the things that that sets this airplane apart is the fact that it doesn't have any any flaps, for example. I mean, uh, it, it has no high lift devices. So in that sense, it is also simpler than a conventional airplane. Uh, and that allows you to, to actually, yeah, we don't need any breakthroughs in any material technologies or other technologies in order for this airplane to really be uh, uh, viable from a commercial standpoint. Yeah, and, and for the scale model in terms of the future, it has been repaired and it is almost ready for, for flight. We're actually just waiting for the, the COVID situation to improve um, until we are allowed to go and fly it because we need to fly it in, in Germany again. Um, so to to be able to go to Germany, and then we will actually perform dedicated maneuvers with the aircraft um, because we only got to fly that one time. So we were just flying around actually. So in the next flights, we will perform, for example, uh, step inputs on each control surface and see what the reaction is, so that we actually excite the the natural motion of the aircraft that will extend that that data envelope that we have already. We, we have a lot of data, but we just want to extend that and make sure that actually it is correct what we measured the first time around. So the project's going to be in your possession for a while longer. You're not, it's not, you're not at the end of your part of the project, correct? That is correct. Is there anything else you'd like to mention about the Flying V project, either the process that you went through uh, building it and testing it or, or anything else that you'd like to tell listeners about before we go? It would be really nice to to show everybody all of the the great technology that we use on the Flying V because we really do did try and use all of the best products so that we we achieve the the, the highest result that we can. For example, by using uh, Schubler EDFs because they they're high power density because we needed to get up to a large speed to be able to fly this aircraft that has quite a high wing loading. 
and de their efficiency again we were limited by weight and the, the battery size so Schubler really has um, efficient yet powerful EDFs that that we could use and then also the the Aeropro measuring system that's a highly accurate air data measurement system that we're able to calculate or measure the angle of attack, airspeed, side slip, and also all of the pitch roll and accelerations. So it's really uh, an aircraft packed with with technology so that we can answer a lot of the uh, outstanding questions that we have concerning the flight dynamics of the flying fee. Something interesting to add here is maybe a little bit of context. If, if we're looking at making aviation more sustainable for the future, we're talking about uh, zero emission or uh, z zero climate impact, let's say. And it's it, it's hard to overstate the impact that long-haul uh, airplanes actually have as they burn more than 50% of all the kerosene uh, that is being burned in the aviation industry. So there, that's why uh, we focus in, in, in Delft, amongst others, on this very, uh, very challenging part of the avi aviation industry that is very hard to replace by anything else. So uh, think about short-haul routes. We might replace those routes by, by electric trains, for example, or maybe even electric flights. Uh, but for long-haul routes over oceans, there's only one way to do that if you want to do it, let's say, within a, a, an appreciable amount of time, and that's by means of flying. And if we want to do that sustainably in the future, we have to look at radical technologies like the Flying V, because the tube and wing aircraft, as we know it, has fully matured. There is very little to no gain to get out of that uh, configuration. So if we are serious about making our uh, aviation industry more climate uh, proof in, in the future, then we need to, need to be able to make bold steps and come to these disruptive innovations. And the Flying V is one of those innovations. And I, I really think it deserves uh, uh, some good uh, attention to really deepen out all the outstanding questions uh, that relate to, to the, this airplane and, and flight dynamics and, and flight control. Uh, what we did with the Flying V skill pro, uh, model uh, uh, project is only one of these, but there are so many more. And I, I really believe that the, the um, configuration deserves it to be studied uh, not only by us, but by much more uh, people in the world. Well, I really appreciate what the two of you are doing uh, with that eye towards the future. I want to thank my guest today, Dr. Roloff Osh, Assistant Professor at the Aerospace Engineering Faculty of Delft University of Technology and Malcolm Brown, Chief Engineer of the Flying V. Dr. Vosh and Malcolm, if folks want to learn more about the Flying V project and the work you're doing, where should they go? Well, we have a website that uh, documents uh, all of the efforts we've done around the Flying V, so they can go to www.tudelft.nl slash Flying V. Excellent. Well, thank you both for your time today. This is a very exciting project, and I'm looking forward to seeing it progress. I'm always wondering when we're going to see the next big thing in commercial aviation, and this could very well be it. Thank you both. You're welcome. Thank you very much. And thank you for tuning in to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. Please leave a rating and a comment after each episode and let us know what topic you'd like covered on a future show. We'll be back with another great discussion in the very near future. But until then, I'm your host, James Kent. Let's talk again soon.